0: Since you already know this, be on your guard, so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and both in Rome around 65 AD. In fact, they were both prisoners of that tyrant Roman emperor, Nero. Paul was led outside the city gates and his head was cut off. Peter, according to tradition, was crucified upside down. Before these Both of them wrote their final epistle there in Rome. Paul wrote 2 Timothy and Peter wrote 2 Peter. Now what Paul writes at the end of Timothy could be said just as much about the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Amazing, comforting words. You know, if there's one man that has inspired me in my life, and more to me than than anyone else, other than Jesus, it's a man like Paul, and a man like Peter. To hear these men face death with such confidence and such rejoicing in in the grace and the love of God, and not being afraid not the only thing they wrote. What does a man write when he knows he's dying, about to die a violent death? What does a man write when he loves the Lord Jesus and and loves the church and knows that, that, that there's going to be a lot of attack, there's going to be persecution and heresies that infiltrate the church? What are they going to write? They'll write like a what they want to hear because they don't want to hear the truth. You preach the gospel. You preach it in truth and don't ever stop until you are dead. Keep it up. Peter, in the last couple of lines of his epistle, which form our Texas afternoon, writes, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. And Peter writes that when he says, you know, if, I, if I'm a, a solid Christian, I can never fall. Peter says, you can. Peter knows what he's talking about. You see, he was that disciple who swore up and down. He was so loyal to Jesus, but never abandoned abandon him. Said on the eve of his crucifixion, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Christ. Jesus Christ had to reinstate him. Peter knows what he's talking about. Peter says, grow, false. The Christian who stands still is a contradiction in terms. You could say that the life of speed meant you'd fall even harder and hurt yourself more, but what you learn Of a dying man, a man who loves his Lord and loves the church. Let us listen to what Peter writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit under this theme Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We'll see three things Be on your guard, continue to grow, and glory be to Jesus Christ. In our first point, we are dealing with verse 17. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know, on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error Paul's teachers were saying is that Jesus is not coming back. He scoffed at the notion. He said he he hasn't arrived yet. He's never coming. So if you're waiting for Jesus, get over it and move on. He's not returning. Secondly, that means if Jesus is not returning and there's no final judgment, live however you says, Jesus is nothing. You don't have to listen to him. Live your life however you want it. No wonder our country is filled with so much immorality. Now, the reason I I said I'm not going to dwell too much on this heresy is because I don't want us to come away with the impression that Peter is thinking of a particular heresy at that particular time that may or may not have any application our lives today because Peter makes clear that his entire epistle is timeless it's for everybody in chapter 1 at the beginning at the end of chapter 1 he writes about the God breathed word of God By sin, and to give your life to the praise and the glory of God. Now, brothers and sisters, I've got to say something. A little bit of a, a side move here. We talk about Peter saying you've got to stand on guard against sin and temptation in your life, and you do that by focusing on the word of God, but you know what? to yourself, I'm going to sin today. I'm going to give my wife silent treatment. I'm going to steal from my boss. Or I'm going to go on the internet and look at some pornography. Nobody says that. Nobody thinks it. No Christian plans to sin. But because of peer pressure or because of your own sinful inclination. say, well, you know what? It's it's the young people who have problems with this. It's the new converts that are in danger of falling into sin when they don't stand on guard. Give me a break. I know young people are vulnerable. I know new converts are vulnerable. But everybody is in danger. Just think of David. Think of Peter. If somebody had said to young David, you know, when gathered all israel together as one nation and said david someday you are going to murder a man and you're going to take his wife he would say you're an idiot i'll never do it he did he never saw it coming same thing with peter if you had said to him a few days before jesus arrest you will publicly deny your lord and you Adultery or, or, or murder, even a, a husband and wife who don't love each other anymore, who give each other the silent treatment, who always make pokes and jabs and put-downs at each other. That's sin. Paul says in Ephesians 4, in your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. A husband and wife who are not Double get into. The- gets the opportunity, and it pulls you down. And Peter doesn't say this because he's mean-spirited or he's one of those sourpuss type of guys. This man is dying. He says, therefore, dear friends, in Greek it's loved ones. I love you, says Peter. I care about you. Stand on guard that you don't fall into sin. That brings us to our second point because so far, got some pretty good advice from Peter, but I don't know what to do with it. He says, "Stand on guard. Don't give sin and temptation a foothold in your life." How in the world am I going to accomplish that? This Peter explains in the first part of verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Again, brothers and sisters, want to think about this for a moment. We said. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, I'm going to sin. No Christian would do that. But imagine, and and yet you sin anyway. Imagine that as a Christian, you get up in the morning and you say, I'm going to make a point of it today not to sin. I understand that I could fall, so I'm wide awake, I'm sharp. Today, I'm going to love my dad and mom. I'm going to treat my father. own resolve and not even by your own guilty feelings he tells us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ and that's been peter's theme throughout this epistle there's a reason that we read chapter one together knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Beautiful list. But if you read those verses in a row, in a proper way, you see that Peter says, you do this because of that. Read the verse before it where he says, he has given us his very World caused by evil desires. There's three parts to that sen- sentence. You can take the first part and the second, sen- the second last part, where it says, through these very great and precious promises, you can escape the evil of the world. But in between that, he says, these promises make us participate in the divine nature. That's the. of God righteousness and holiness and what Peter is showing there he's saying you know basically he's saying whenever whenever you read that the Bible tells you to do something to love God or love your neighbor don't commit adultery you know keep the Sabbath day whenever scripture does that it wants you to understand that you can only. christ he poured out his holy spirit on pentecost to come into our hearts cause us to be radically transformed restored as the image of god and now through that we can change and live to the praise and glory of god that's what paul's getting uh, peter's getting at when he writes in our text still got to get on your knees before god and say god i sinned forgive me and you know forgiveness and that's great but then you stand still again or you coast ever so slowly maintaining bad patterns sinful behavior not really changing and then comes the next crisis and it's a big thing again to talk to god say well, we're all sinners aren't we is anybody perfect are you perfect i'm not perfect we all sin are you kidding they're sinning and there's sinning there's falling and there is falling as a christian if you're standing still if you're not engaged with jesus if you're not growing in the grace and the knowledge back in there. through their whole life. Their attitudes, their words, and their deeds. They love God, and they love their neighbor. We have to understand, brothers and sisters, that we're talking here about powerful things. The grace of God is all-powerful. The knowledge of Jesus is is life-transforming. And to partake what is crooked, it can restore what has collapsed or broken down. If we have been living in sin, if our life has not been right by God, to taste the grace of God radically transforms you, more so than some people could ever imagine. You know, a number of times throughout my ministry, I've had to deal with a psychiatrist who was dealing with one of my psychiatrist you haven't even graduated from the kindergarten of life of true spiritual reality is your marriage broken nobody can tell me it's it's unfixable it is fixable by the grace of God take the spots off a leopard. It can take the stripes off a tiger. It can cure anything in your life. That's why Paul in Philippians 2, he says, work out your salvation. Acceptable to others and, and even to yourself. Change can be slow. Change can be gradual. But it always happens. There's always movement. There's, there's always growth. You see, the grace of God, the knowledge of Jesus, is electrifying. Electricity can do amazing things to you. My brother is an electrician. He works on day I don't know what I did wrong. I touched something I shouldn't have. Five hundred and fifty volts went through me. So it could have hurt me very badly, could have killed me, but it didn't. He said but when I got up from underneath that machine, he said, I felt taller. refreshing. It's transforming. It means you know Jesus died for you. You experience that his spirit has come into your heart. He's changing you. You are thrilled. You don't have to live in sin. You don't have to live in broken relationships. joy in living there's more building up relationships and a passion to give your life to the praise and the glory of God that brings us to our concluding remark Don't fall. He knows that we're all going to think of Peter himself. He knows that forever people will know just what a miserable sinner that Peter can be, just how hard he could fall. He could deny his Lord. He doesn't hide that. But what he's showing is, you know, I have learned to live from grace. I, ha- I have learned to know that Jesus is my Lord. Forth, there's laid up a crown of righteousness for me and so peter ends by doing something that's a bit unusual mostly benedictions at the end of a of a, a letter it gives glory to god the father and peter doesn't deny the glory of god the father but at this moment the one person that he's thinking about the one person who means everything to him is jesus don't go home now. Are you going to...